Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Mr. News, hit it! Next on the Ledger Report, Biden's wag the dog moment. In one of the worst states of the union of all time, Joe Biden uses Vladimir Putin as a distraction from the raging domestic war for the heart and soul of this republic. A strong president could have stopped Putin cold before the attack on Ukraine. We will look at how the United States misplayed the pending Putin invasion and what can be done now tactically, politically, and morally. Also, the People's Convoy zeroing in on Washington, D.C., but as the Marxist Democrats brace for a January 6th level impact, these truckers are offering a different game plan. It's born of freedom and liberty. And the State of the Union, the way it ought to be, a constitutional response. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold this edition of the Ledger Report. There was a time, a time before cable, when the local anchorman reigned supreme. And in San Diego, one anchorman was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. Putin was wrong. We are ready. We are united, and that's what we did. We stayed united. We prepared extensively and carefully. We spent months building coalitions of other freedom-loving nations in Europe and the Americas, to, from America to the Asian and African continents, to confront Putin. Like many of you, I spent countless hours unifying your European allies. We shared with the world in advance what we knew. Putin was planning, and precisely how we would try to falsify and justify his aggression. We countered Russia's lies with the truth. And now, now that he's acted, the three free world is holding him accountable, along with 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as countries like the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Korea, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, even Switzerland are inflicting pain on Russia and supporting the people of Ukraine. Putin is now isolated from the world more than he has ever been. Together, 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 along with our allies, we are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russell ruble, making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. We're choking Russia's access. We're choking Russia's access to technology that will sap its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. Tonight, 
I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime, no more. The United States — I mean it. Oh, he means it. Joe Biden really, really means it this time. Does this remind you of Jimmy Carter at all? It does to me. I'm old enough to remember Jimmy Carter. Nobody was afraid of Jimmy Carter. Certainly the Iranians weren't afraid of Jimmy Carter, but they were afraid of, of Ronald Reagan, the person who took over uh, after Jimmy Carter. It's called ruble. That's how you pronounce it, Joe Biden. Say it with me. Ruble. Now, one of the things that Biden is miscalculating here is who and what Vladimir Putin is. He is a psychopath. Vladimir Putin is doing something for himself, for his own uh, ego, his own maniacal self. It could be to piece together, again, the Soviet Union. It could be uh, just to prove he's a man. I, who knows? But he's a psychopath. And psychopaths only respond to one thing, and that is brute force. Does Joe Biden look like a guy who's going to use brute force to stop him? And one more thing, one more thing. It's very important to understand history. What is the history of Ukraine vis-a-vis -vis Russia, a.k.a. the Soviet Union? Joseph Stalin, in 1931, went in there and forced collectivism on the farmers of Ukraine. And in the end, what it did was it starved literally millions of people to death. And when the farmers didn't want to cooperate, they shut them down, they shut off the cities, and these people starved to death. No, Stalin didn't use a machine gun to murder three million to four million people. He used starvation. And please don't tell me that even though that generation is largely gone now, please don't tell me that the Ukrainians forget that. I doubt if they do. So tactically, politically, spiritually, it seems as though Putin, though, may have made a miscalculation or two, possibly on all three of those fronts. However, the Russian advance into Ukraine continues, albeit less than a modern-day blitzkrieg, and there are conflicting reports about how well the Russian forces are equipped to execute this attack on Ukrainian sovereignty. So what's the big picture here? Joining me now from somewhere in Florida, General Mike Flynn. Mike, uh, you're writing an op-ed. You were just telling me you're writing an op-ed right now that uh, would put you into the peace talks that are going on right now, which is a fascinating experience. Uh, what do you, what's the, the gist of what you're saying? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, Graham, thanks for having me on. I know uh, we've been trying to, trying to join, uh, join each other here for a while, so it's fascinating that this, is, this timing worked out for, for this moment. And, uh, and for you and your audience, and I know your audience knows this, you know, Graham Ledger is a legend and has left, left a lasting legacy on, on honestly what I call really the profession of journalism. So thanks, thanks for all that you're continuing to do and that the fact that you have sort of rejoined this effort. So all that said, uh, one of the things that we have to go back to is what's called the Budapest Accords. Okay, this is really, really serious stuff. We're talking about uh, Margaret Thatcher. So you mentioned Reagan and Carter. You know, so we're talking about Margaret Thatcher, Mitterrand from, from France, uh, President Bush the father, and uh, and Gorbachev at the end of uh, at the end of the Cold War uh, 93 94 timeframe and right now we are all 
basically all those nations that I just mentioned, or rep the representatives of those nations that I just mentioned, everybody is in violation of the Budapest Accords. And essentially what the Budapest Accords did was it was an agreement to m remove nuclear capabilities, nuclear forces out of three uh, countries, uh, one of which was Ukraine. At the time, at the end of the Cold War, at that time, Ukraine was uh, actually had more nuclear weapons in uh, on its soil than did China. So that gives you some idea about what happened. So, so we're all in violation of that. That's number one. You mentioned, uh, you described Putin as a psychopath. I, I agree. Putin, Putin is uh, somebody though who is not uh, dumb. And, uh, and I do believe that one of the things that Putin did underestimate, and he underestimated it quite a bit, uh, he underestimated the what he felt was going to be uh, a, the Ukrainian people who do feel an awful lot of, the, and they see it, the incredible levels of corruption in their own country. But I think mm -hmm. that uh, in places like these two eastern provinces, they call them Donbasses in Ukraine, where the where the, the majority of the population are Russian, the language that's spoken in these two uh, eastern provinces uh, uh, are prim is primarily Russian. I think that the sentiment of those two provinces gave Putin a false impression of what he was going to see in the rest of Ukraine. And he underestimated that. And the third thing is, is that he's been listening to his, uh, his senior advisors in the, in the Ministry of Defense and his generals, and he's been getting really poor advice because they are not as prepared as, they, uh, as he believed that they were in order to carry out this, this large operation, which is which is a, at, at a grand scale to be able to invade an entire country, you know, that's, that is a large country. So, so that, that's the sort of the background, that's sort of the background because the options now to, you know, there's, there's peace talks, quote unquote, peace talks uh, going on right now in Hungary, today, tomorrow, the next day. And I think what we're gonna have to do is one of the things that I recommend is that they're gonna have to take, and this is not one of these pleasant things, but they're gonna have to take Ukraine off uh, of the of the conversation of, of potentially being a NATO aligned or a NATO uh, a component of NATO. That doesn't mean that Ukraine cannot become part of the European Union, which is a whole different uh, conversation. But Putin firmly and it goes back to the uh, it goes back to the, the uh, Budapest Accords. Ukraine cannot be part of the NATO conversation. And I think that that's one of the things and, and this has been going on for at least five or six years, many, many statesmen, and this goes back to Henry Kissinger all the way on up to uh, Bob Gates, who used to be the director of the CIA and the Secretary of Defense, as well as some, new, some newer names that a lot of people don't know that are economists and such, who have said, this is one of the things that would lead to an invasion by, by Russia. This would be a red line to include the current director of the CIA, Burns, who was also uh, ambassador to Russia. Only a few years ago, Burns wrote that the, the number one red line for Russia to invade Ukraine is to uh, make any, any uh, arguments about uh, Ukraine joining NATO. So right. we have people in the current administration that have already recognized this. We have many people who are, and all the names that I gave you are names on the, on the left, so to speak, or left of the center line or in the line with the Democratic, the current administration. And they've all said, this is a, a line that you do not want to cross. Yet this administration, for some reason, and the main reason is really lack of leadership. I mean, as you saw, as you uh, presented that, uh, that you know, slur of the union, I mean, uh, you know, and you had to, re you know, 
you have to say that it's rubles. It's rubles, Joe, not not whatever he said. So we, we really are in a position of massive weakness, apathy within uh, our, uh, our, uh, our administration right now. And it's a demonstrated apathy that is hurting us on a massive foreign scale in our foreign policy. So that's that's a little bit of what I'm crafting. And I'm going to try to get that out here later today. Can we look at the big picture, uh, General, uh, if Putin gets away with this? A couple things worry me about Putin if he gets cornered um, in a situation. We've heard that these conscripts are kids that are uh, crying and surrendering. I, I don't know how many of these reports are accurate, um, but yeah. we know they're not exactly uh, replicating Hitler's blitzkrieg um, going through uh, Europe like a hot knife through uh, butter. It worries me about that, but it also worries me if he gets away with this, what his designs are beyond Ukraine, because we don't know. We're not inside this guy's head. I mean, he could have designs on uh, Moldova, Romania, possibly Hungary and, you know, repiecing the whole uh, Soviet yeah. Union together. Do you do you fear that to an extent that it, unless he shut down and shut down hard, that we could be looking at a Cold War 2.0 and only the U.S. can fix this? Yeah, or we could be looking at a World War III and uh, and the real, real potential of uh, a nuclear exchange. I mean, this is not a this is a no kidding time. You know, I, one of the things that I I believe, and I I you'll you'll see it, you'll see me right about this. You're better to deal with the devil that you know than the devil that you don't know. And so we are going to have to come up with some type of uh, compromise that's that that is not going to satisfy everybody. Uh, but it but it 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 brings to a halt uh, exactly what is going on, which is a move towards something that is that 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 is out of control or that is uncontrollable. And war war is typically uh, uncontrollable up until a certain point. But after that point, or up to that point, there's a lot of uh, lost dreams, a lot of casualties, and a lot of uh, humanity that suffers. And uh, that's already happening. And you're showing as you're showing some of the uh, the video footage. The other thing about reporting from the front lines, and I think you know this, you lived it, you've reported on many of this kind of these kinds of actions. I mean, never believe the first report that, you know, in the intelligence business, the first reports are usually wrong. So what I what I think we need to do is we need to see what uh, our administration and what the Putin administration uh, and what Europe is is uh, trying to achieve in this current set of talks, I will say that in in uh, when you're negotiating uh, in a time of war, you don't stop fighting. In fact, what you try to do is you try to achieve a stronger position uh, geographically or on on the terrain that you're fighting on. Because the more that you can achieve, the the more the more the stronger your position is at the at the negotiating table. So. Yep. We're, we're in a tough we're in a tough place. Nuclear weapons are on the table because uh, Putin has already put his nuclear forces on the highest levels of alert this past weekend. So we have got to have a really, really set of cool heads prevail. We've got to listen to, you know, the statesmen of, of the world today. We've got to get away from the, the, the rhetoric, the propaganda machines of the media, both international media and, uh, and U.S. media. Because they are, there is a drumbeat, Graham, as you know, you know well, there is a drumbeat coming out of Washington, D.C., out of the think tanks, out of the foreign policy and, meet, and uh, defense think tanks that says, you know, war, war, war. We've got, you know, we can't let Putin do this. We've got we've to push back. I mean, 
Putin, you know, as as much as we've seen maybe some some uh, lacking of their military, they still have uh, a, a very uh, they, they have great capabilities and they have nuclear capabilities. And we cannot yep. allow this 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 uh, this invasion um, to initiate or start a uh, a third world war. All these wars that we've ever been in over the last hundred or so years are big ones. You know, they always started yep. in places like this. So we can't, yep. we've got to really be smart about, about uh, knowing history, knowing the culture, knowing the geography, and knowing the, uh, you know, the, the positions of the people on the battlefield, so to speak, as well as those uh, people in the European Union, those organizations and those leaders in NATO. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of the countries that are at risk. And all yep. of this, you know, our peace, peace in the, you know, looking at it from the 60,000 foot level, Graham, Peace in the world, world peace, starting with peace in, in Europe, is all at risk if we allow ourselves to be taken hostage by the propaganda machines that want us to go to war. Yep, yep. As you uh, pointed out, a very important point, and that is one of my favorite phrases, the first casualty of war is the truth. And I think that's what truth. we're seeing uh, a lot of coming out of uh, Ukraine right now. General, thank you. Where can we see uh, your op-ed when you finish it? I'm going to let you get back to it. Where can we see it? I. I will. I'll send you the link. I'm gonna. I uh, the Western Journal, which is a big. I'm a big fan of, and they have about. They have quite a quite a, a viewership and readership on uh, various social media. But the Western okay. Journal will probably publish it this evening. So I'll 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 shoot you a uh, a link to it, Graham, and I appreciate you you posting right. it. Thanks very much. We'll look forward to it. People's convoy still trucking, only hours from its rendezvous with DC destiny. We will hear from one of the leaders of the pack as the Ledger Report continues. The Ledger Report is brought to you by MyPillow.com. Please go to MyPillow.com and enter Ledger in the promo code box for up to 66% off. That's MyPillow.com and enter L-E-D-G-E-R in the promo code box. The Ledger Report is also brought to you by Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com forward slash ledger for a natural homeopathic way to relieve nagging chronic pain. Or call 833-425-7246. 833-425-7246 for Relief Factor Pain Relief. Thank you for supporting MyPillow, Relief Factor, and The Ledger Report. And with all the bright spots in our economy, record job growth, higher wages, too many families are struggling to keep up with their bills. Inflation is robbing them of gains they thought otherwise they would be able to feel. I get it. That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. Look, our economy roared back faster than almost anyone predicted. But the pandemic meant that businesses had a hard time hiring enough people because of the pandemic to keep up production in their factories. So you didn't have people making those beams that went into buildings because they were out. The factory was closed. The panic also disrupted the global supply chain. Factories closed. When that happens, it takes longer to make goods and get them to the warehouses, to the stores, and go, prices go up. Look at cars last year. One-third of all the inflation was because of automobile sales. 
There weren't enough semiconductors to make all the cars that people wanted to buy. And guess what? Prices of automobiles went way up, especially used vehicles as well. And so we have a choice. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poorer. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. <laughs> folks. Okay, so this guy is an economic illiterate. There's no two ways about it. Uh, and he also thinks, by the way, that we're all a bunch of morons and we've never taken an economy class or we don't invest our own monies in the stock market and gold and silver and what have you. So apparently we have to educate the president of the United States. Maybe at one point he knew this, but clearly he doesn't know it now. I know he's reading off the teleprompter, but he ought to know better than what he just said, you would think, because he's president of the United States. First of all, the pandemic didn't close down businesses. The pandemic didn't close down anything. The pandemic didn't shut down schools. The pandemic didn't close down churches. The pandemic didn't force you to wear a mask. You did, Joe. You and your Marxist brethren are forcing people to wear a mask. You know the ding-dong in California, the governor who survived the recall by a landslide? What's his name? Newsom just announced that he's lifting. Oh, thank you, Governor Newsom. He's lifting the mask mandate for children in school. Oh, thank you, Governor. You're so, you're so generous. Thank you for allowing our children to breathe oxygen in school. Oh, but you can't do it until March 12th. What is so magical about March 12th, Graham? I don't know. You tell me. You ask this governor. So, Joe Biden, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And as far as the economy, the best way to fight inflation is lower people's wages? <laughs> what in the wide, wide world of sports are you talking about, Joe? Inflation is very simple, relatively simple. Most of the time it's caused by an out-of-control government like it is right now. Inflation is simply too few dollars chasing too many goods. The supply chain wasn't shut down by the pandemic. The supply chain was shut down by a bunch of morons globally led by the United States of America. And in our Constitution, by the way, in Article 1, Section 9, is something called a bill of attainer. 99% of the country doesn't know what this is, but effectively, to boil it down, it is you can't target people. The Constitution protects people's rights, at least it's supposed to. And by not allowing a bill of attainer, the framers were probably talking more about punishment in one form or another, or, or maybe talking about levying taxes. But you can't target individual Americans and weed them out and punish them, for example. And so when you are forcing a mask mandate or a vaccine so-called mandate on people, you are violating Article 1, Section 9 of the United States Constitution. You know, this crazy thing we call equal protection? Now, Joe Biden mentioned zero about the Bill of Rights in even what the left would agree was an uninspirational, chaotic, and boring speech. Biden said nothing about unconstitutional acts by government over the past two years, and nothing, nothing about unconstitutional unilateral mandates, which brings us to the people's convoy traversing America right now. Its destination is near Washington, D.C. And after commencing in California, boy, these patriots are getting really close. Joining me now from somewhere, one of the driving forces behind the People's Convoy, 
Josh Yoder. All right, Josh, Josh, uh, where are you uh, exactly in this coast-to-coast trip? Thanks for having me on today. We're actually currently between um, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Cambridge, Ohio. Uh, we'll be in Cambridge here in a couple of hours for the overnight. Uh, right now, the convoy is stretching over 70 miles long. Uh, we have uh, several aircraft in the air flown by members of U.S. Freedom Flyers, known private aircraft, and they have journalists in the aircraft, and they're, they're taking some amazing uh, aerial footage um, of the convoy on its way to Cambridge. Uh, this has been one of the most incredible experiences of my life. You know, we started out in California, and between uh, California and Indianapolis, I think there were less than seven overpasses that, that um, didn't have patriotic Americans on the overpasses with their flags, you know, waving and their patriotic gear. It's just been incredible to see people show up from every race, um, religion, and political affiliation to stand for freedom. John- you know, it, it's really difficult to say that this is a far-right movement. Oh, no, it's a, it's a patriotic movement. You said 70, 70 miles long? I heard that maybe there's somewhere in the order of 10,000 trucks, is that, or, or, or vehicles. Is that a, an accurate estimate, you think? Vehicles, yeah, it, it's getting there. Um, the last official count that we got in Oklahoma from the state troopers was 7,000 vehicles, and that's been uh, two days ago now. And it has grown exponentially. Uh, last night at the marshalling area in Indianapolis, uh, we had a large rally out there. It was just absolutely incredible. We had doctors from the Global COVID Summit um, speaking there. We had Lee Dundas and, uh, you know, obviously the truckers. And it was just incredible, you know, to see all these Americans coming together for the cause of freedom. Everyone's standing up and they're saying enough is enough. Our federal government is violating our rights. They've forgotten that they work for the people. And what I have to stress is that this convoy is is completely, it's peaceful. It's law-abiding. You know, we're not going into the district. Um, we're absolutely not doing that. We, we know that the government is probably salivating at the fact that they could, you know, prepare a false flag attack for us, just like they did on January 6th. Right. And this isn't right. something that we're going to allow to happen or, or tolerate. You know, we're going to stay peaceful and law-abiding this whole way. It's about sending a message uh, peacefully to the government saying we're standing up as American citizens. We're staying together and we're going to change our government for the better. Not, not unlike what happened in 1773 with the Boston Tea Party. You are sending a message to government. God bless you. Stay safe. We'll check in with you on, on March 5th. And uh, we hope. And I know it's been a long trip and you can't wait to get back uh, to your family. Josh, God bless you and thank you. Still ahead, the State of the God Union, the way to be as the ledger report continues. Some final thoughts now. 
the State of the Union the way it ought to be. There are eight stages of the rise and fall of any democratic society. See if you can figure out which stage the United States is in the midst of right now. Stage one, from bondage to faith, think 1773. Stage two, from faith to courage, think 1776. Stage three, from courage to liberty, think 1787. Stage four, from liberty to abundance. All right, think industrial revolution, right? Stage five, from abundance to complacency, think post-World War II. Stage six, complacency to apathy, think 1960s, 1970s. Stage seven, apathy to dependence. Stage eight, dependence to bondage. Thus, you see the full circle, full cycle here. So where are we as a country? Well, we are somewhere around stage seven going on stage eight, maybe a little bit of both. In other words, in the cycle of life, of democracy, as a nation, we are sick, very sick. We are hurtling toward the final stages of democratic life. However, as an ideological patient in political ICU, the United States is not dead yet, not yet. We can pull out of this death cycle, it's not too late, but we must assess where we are as a once free constitutional republic. All right, so what should be the State of the Union? Term limits for Congress and for all federal employees, all of them, federal judges, federal workers, the FBI, all members of the deep state term limits. This would actually drain the swamp, that's a start. State of the Union should also be an annual budget, balanced budget requirement by Congress and a requirement that government debt never exceeds a certain percentage of gross domestic product. State of the Union should be more money spent on national defense than on Obamacare. In fact, HHS should be eliminated. It should be wiped off the books along with the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, and the EPA. Gone. State of the Union should be a secure southern border insulated by a wall from the ongoing assault by illegals on our sovereignty and the accompanying massive damage to our life, liberty, and happiness. State of the Union should be a constitutional amendment banning unilateral presidential executive orders because the framers never would have foreseen an unconstitutional mandate for a so-called vaccine. State of the Union should be protecting all lives, not just black lives, but all life, both outside and inside the womb. State of the Union should be never, never, ever again, churches shutting down and Americans denied their First Amendment rights. Never, ever again. And finally, the State of the Union must be free in legal elections, devoid of voter fraud. With one election day, no massive vote by mail, a return to paper ballots, and yes, national voter ID. All that would put this union back into possibly, what, stage four or five of the democracy cycle. However, it can only happen if the same spirit and the same percentage of Americans who supported independence in 1776 support this liberty revival today. And so that ought to be the State of the Union, and it ought to be soon. This edition of The Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives of the Library of Congress. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right.